0: Time Lord, I'm Daniel Levain, and I had never seen Doctor Who until recently when I sat down, started watching, and I am now hooked. And today we're going to talk about the fourth episode in the new relaunched version of the series. Episode four is titled Aliens of London. And if you haven't seen the episode, now would be an excellent time to pause my show, go watch that and come back. And as you return from watching the show, I'm going to introduce you to my guest for today, who is a very big Doctor Who fan and a good, good friend of mine, whom for years I have not been able to have these type of conversations with. And now I finally get to nerd out with none other than the incomparable Jamie Kern. (laughs) Hello, Jamie. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I I give myself my own entrance music there, so... (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, you know what? I if, I if I can find a license or royalty-free song with trumpets, I will throw it under there as well. Perfect. Because <laughs> you deserve a huge intro. Jamie Kern has been a friend of mine from a long, long time ago. She is one of very few people that actually got to watch me swear in as a citizen of these United States. So she knew me when I was an alien, which is... I <laughs> (laughs) Ironic that we're talking about aliens in London.
1: It is ironic.
0: (laughs) It is. So share with our listeners, when did you get into Doctor Who?
1: You know, I don't remember exactly when it was. I feel now like I've been part of the fandom forever, but I was really late to the party, like super late to the party. We were already on the Matt Smith Doctor, which is several seasons from where you are now. So I, I, it was probably it might even have been like 2010 2011 somewhere around there so it's been a long time for me but compared to everybody who came back with the relaunch I was super super late to the party
0: well it's what I found is that it doesn't seem to matter when you got hooked on it everybody says once they watched this new relaunch it pretty much hooked them and whatever point they jumped in it it had moved them forward into just a life of being a Doctor Who fan.
1: Totally, totally. Yeah, I had seen some episodes of the, you know, 1970s version uh, on PBS. They used to re-air it on PBS when I was a kid, late at night, right? So mm-hmm. I, I had seen some of those episodes, so I knew just a tiny bit. I mean, and I'd probably seen maybe five episodes, you know, but I, I knew a little bit. But now, like, I can tell you you know several things about that doctor and the doctor before him and you know so it's once you become a fan you sort of can't help but become a super fan and learn all about it and learn all the history
0: well that's exactly what we're here to do cuz i am just jumping into this fandom and i have a lot of questions about this episode so
1: can i tell you though it can i tell you though it's funny because I don't know if you remember, but this episode is the episode that I warn all new Doctor Who watchers about because I always tell everybody you have to get through the first season and very specifically, you have to get through the farting pig people episode. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I always tell people that because I'm you know if you're if you're not warned and you just come into it I remember when I first watched it being like really this really is this what we're doing here is this what the show is going to be like like fart jokes really so I always like this is the episode so it was so funny because I didn't remember that this was that this was this episode until I started watching this, it this. And I just started laughing and I was like, oh, of course, it's the one that I warn everybody about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you must have some significantly like more highbrow friends than me because <laughs> I I'm, i mean, I, I have a question. I wrote it down. I said, what's with the gas? But, you know, I did, nothing about the gas was like. I, this feels out of place. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe I just watch weirder stuff than some of your other I mean, friends. You but got
1: a kid, like you, gotta you gotta you know boy, no less. So that,
0: that's that is true. Watching kids' movies in the last decade that prepared me for this moment, but I I did not find it uh, off-putting. <laughs> it is certainly the weirdest episode so far
1: (laughs) yeah yeah
0: (laughs) It, it was the weirdest episode and jumping right into my sort of thoughts on it just every episode has reminded me of something go back to the previous episodes of the podcast to hear me talk about them this episode very specifically reminded me of watching x files
1: ah okay yeah
0: Right. Like the the feel of it. There's, you know, the the, the sort of government cover up mystery thing going on, yep. uh, although it, it includes a whole lot of parliament talk and, you know, British isms that I I, li- I had to Google what right. the hell an MP was. Yeah. <laughs> this lady's walking around flashing her ID. I'm the MP, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, military police. Right. No, I don't know that. <laughs> What is an an m p uh is a member of parliament that's what that means that's right. she is an elected member of parliament that's right so, but she's
1: like she's sort of like like a lesser house of Representatives kind of person right like that's how mm-hmm. she's introduced like she's not like a high rolling senator like she's you know she is a lesser known you know, yeah, she's like that freshman,
0: it. you know, congresswoman, you know, yes. just coming in. She's not like AOC, but like from a lower district, you know, know, maybe like a South Carolina.
1: Right, exactly. exactly. You know,
0: she's like, please read my paper about, I you know, the the importance of, you know, socialized medicine. That's yes. not what she says, but she is talking about hospitals and she they is. have socialized medicine. She's in,
1: talking about like old people homes. Yeah.
0: Old exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I love the the sort of X Files feel to this episode. But before we get to that, my first question for you is: There's there's a lot of talk that the Doctor has with uh, with Rose about um, or Rose, particularly. I'm sorry, Rose feels very sort of restricted in in what she can say to her mom upon the return. And she keeps saying, I can't tell her, I can't say a word. Yet it doesn't seem like they're really trying all that hard to hide his spaceship that can disappear. So why can not she not say anything? Did I, I miss something?
1: No, you didn't miss anything. I think that Rose's feeling is that either she won't believe her or that it will just be too much for her, right? Like that her head would just explode with the knowledge of this happening, that she would be even more frightened by the idea of her going off with a spaceman, you know, than she would be about her, you know, running off across the country with a random doctor guy. Right. Mm. So I think it's just a matter of Rose's mom. Jackie is sort of, Jackie's kind of small town girl. I know they live in London, but she's, that's kind of her whole world, right? Like in my opinion, Jackie's probably never been out of her country or if she has, it's only been to France, right? Like, because, because Mm -hmm. they have that train, but like, she's probably not, you know, very well traveled. She's, you know, I don't think she's worldly. So I think it's more a matter of Rose feeling like she needs to protect her from the truth so that she won't be so scared about what she's doing or try to stop her from what she's doing.
0: Okay, so it's more of a protection move than any weird rule that I, I, I thought I had missed something because she hits it so hard yeah. that I thought like, th- did the doctor at some point or like, look, if you're going to be a part of this, you can't talk about it. It's like, no, you know, fight think, club. Like right. once you're in the TARDIS, you can't talk about the TARDIS. Right.
1: I, I think that there is a little bit, I think that not only is Rose protective of her mother, but I think she's also protective of the doctor. Right. And mm. so she, you know, also she understands that not everybody can know about him, right? If everybody knows about him, that's probably a bad plan, right? For whatever reason, either because, you know, she thinks that they'll, you know, hide him away somewhere or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the more people that know about him, probably the more danger there is for him in a way. So I think that there's kind of a subconscious protection of him as well like i can't tell you because i I probably shouldn't talk about this this is a weird crazy thing and and probably not everybody Mm -hmm. should know you know but there's no specific not that i recall there's no specific like you know you
0: can't talk about this okay so uh, while we're talking about the doctor i i love that uh in this episode i finally get to find out exactly how old he is in previous episodes there's been hints that he has been around and he's old but uh in this episode he tells us he is 900 years old so that like rose says that is some age gap right there
1: (laughs) especially because she's 19 like
0: right Right.
1: the age gap between her and christopher eccleson is already a little questionable so then you get him being 900 and (laughs) you you gotta wonder
0: but yeah that that is uh, that is fun uh to to think about just how disparagingly different that yes. is. Going on about uh the doctor, in in the conversation that they keep having, uh, at one point he mentions that he doesn't do family. And it's it stuck out to me because it, it didn't seem like one of those throwaway lines. I, I think I'm starting to figure out what are throwaway lines, but okay. he was very specific. I don't do family. And yeah. then when, you know, further in the episode when they all sort of charge inside the TARDIS he says it again but
1: it's very domestic
0: um, (laughs) right right it's
1: getting domestic
0: right is is there something more to this
1: um sort of Uh, what I will say is that when you travel the universe alone uh through time and space there's probably a reason right and Mm -hmm. family in general it's he has a discomfort in being in that kind of environment because there that means love and connection. And if you have that love and connection and you care about somebody, it's much harder when something happens to them. And if you travel through time and space, you likely have had many companions and you no longer have those companions for a number of reasons. So eventually you have to say goodbye. So I, I think that it's more a matter of family means something. It means connection. When he's traveling with just one person or even, you know, two people, it's, it's a lot easier to sort of throw that relationship away in your mind. Oh, this is just this one person that I'm traveling with. This is not a family. This is just a companion. You know, I'm not attached to them. They're just traveling with me for now. Family has a much deeper connotation.
0: Hmm interesting yes i it for whatever reason it really stuck out to me the way he said it and, and i i have a feeling that more is to come on that yeah. so moving on with the doctor i had a moment in this episode where i had that really geeky sort of nerd gotcha moment which i hate but he he's sitting there telling rose Uh, You know, no, I can't move the TARDIS because there's too much things going on, blah, blah, blah. And then when it was convenient, he moves the TARDIS. And I'm like, don't don't be that jerk. Don't be (laughs) like, don't be that. Like, just tell the girl, like, no, it's more fun. Let's go see what's happening. Let's not always go to my super awesome time machine. Let's just, you know. I don't know, it, 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 there was that one moment where I, I felt ashamed of myself for going, oh, why did why did he say that, but then right. does he do something else?
1: Well, um, but and I know that you think that that's just kind of funny, but I think that this is a really important aspect of the doctor to learn quickly. It, it's a little throwaway thing in that moment, but it is a tremendous character flaw in that the doctor breaks his promises right so he will Mm -hmm. flat out look right in your face and say yes absolutely i promise he will pinky swear you till kingdom come but that does not mean that he's going to do it and so he sort of becomes in in that way a little bit of of an anti-hero Just because, you know, we're used to heroes who do everything that they can to keep their promises, right? Like the Avengers, they don't make a promise unless they think that they can keep it or they're going to die trying, right? Mm -hmm. The doctor flat out will tell you he's going to do something knowing damn well he has no intention of doing it.
0: And Mm -hmm.
1: that I think is really important. And it's actually something that I think makes the doctor very interesting in the kind of hero that he is
0: it's it well it's certainly uh, i'm starting to see that he is much more layered to oh, yeah. use a better word uh, a lot a lot more layered than your conventional hero or your conventional sort of interplanetary being uh, that we've been ex- that i've been exposed to in other pop culture properties like star wars and buck rogers and right. flash gordon so it's certainly much more interesting in that perspective because it definitely makes me wonder what else is going on and every time there's been that reveal uh, that there is something deeper within the doctor happening it just sort of triggers me into okay what what what's happening you know and in, in the second episode in the end of the world episode when the, the tree lady is talking to him mm-hmm. and he really gets upset and starts to cry, you know, it immediately, it drew me to him. It, it makes me, okay, why Why is he where everywhere else? I mean, in this episode alone, you see him, the, a spaceship crashes through Big Ben and he gets excited and he's mm-hmm. running towards it, you know? So he he's always happy and super excited. And so... Those moments in which you see him sort of show a different emotion seem really to have that much more gravity and and, and certainly that much more pull. I'm that much more interested in him. So we're jumping around, but uh, there is a moment in this episode, the alien that has crashed land in London is discovered to be a pig (laughs) that that came out of nowhere Yep. I I was expecting a lot of things and you know we've had some interesting special effects introduced in the show so far yep. a little pig running down the hall and I'm like on two what feet. is yes <laughs> right on two yes. feet what is the show what am I watching cuz that's the moment and again Very X-Files, because there are moments in the X-Files where ludicrous things happen, too. Right. So it it was well within the, the, the mood of the episode. But at the same time, I'm thinking, that's it? That's the alien? It's a pig? Like, <laughs> yes. we're going to get introduced to a race of Gamoran guards? Is this, you know... That
1: is why, actually, this episode always makes me think of the Twilight Zone, the old Twilight Zone. I don't know if Oh, ever, yes. I don't know how much you know about the old Twilight Zone, but I'm obsessed.
0: I'm a huge fan. Okay. I, I could do a whole podcast about that, too.
1: Ugh. I'm in okay so you know the episode where you know the woman is in the hospital and at the end it's revealed that they're all pig-faced people right Mm -hmm. I'm talking about so that's what this episode always makes me think of and then and it's you know a little bit different obviously but sort of that reveal of like this is a human pig person what is happening here you know and then later when the Guys are unzippering their heads and that light is coming. And <laughs> then when they, you know, use their little x-ray gun, whatever, um, it reminds me actually of the Tower of Terror. Uh, when you mm-hmm. are watching the video and they're struck by lightning and all the people have the lightning kind of, you know, in their belly and it's coming out. It's like almost the exact same effect. So this whole episode I'm always thinking of the twilight zone when I see it. Sure,
0: sure. <laughs> and well, in in the, in that episode that you're referencing, I think it's called Inner Beauty.
1: Something like that, yeah.
0: But it, you know, the, the the whole point was that, you know, this person, the 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 person that you thought the entire time is this beautiful person and a normal person is considered ugly in this world because they all look like that. Uh, So I thought, here's the opposite. Like, of course, they're using a pig because we're going to immediately think that, you know, he's dirty or he's... And then it goes nowhere so quickly. (laughs) I was so overthinking it because I'm thinking like, oh, okay, wow, well well played there, Doctor Who writers. You're going to make me... And then they're quickly like, oh, they just rewired a pig and they made us think that he was... Okay. All yeah, right. You well, know what
1: that was about that. I just assumed that that had to be there. Was some special effects guy in London who was like, you know, I got this pig that I got nothing to do with, <laughs> and I,
0: I got my kid in the back. Yeah. I can't leave him in the car.
1: Wouldn't it be funny if?
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I feel Come like on. a lot of Doctor Who, there are times where I'm like, man, somebody just had that laying around and they were like, what am I gonna <laughs> do with this? I know. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> well while well, uh we're talking about the people that decide to uh zipper their heads in, in a world where we have now sort of become uh very sensitive to body shapes and body sizes. It felt a little weird it's watching opposite, a show. Right? It, and I get it, it was 2005, but it still felt a little weird watching a show full of very hefty people farting up a storm. inside a government building and you're like, and nobody's going to say anything.
1: Right. Who are clearly supposed to be ridiculous. And they're, we're clearly focusing on the fact that they're overweight. Like it's, it it feels uncomfortable in the world we live in. Mm -hmm. today. Yeah, for sure. And you're like, "Uh, I don't know if I like this. And you know, then it's because, well, they have to have bigger bodies because they have, they can't fit into a smaller body. Like, okay, I get it. But like
0: the the moment they started the, the, the zippering bit, I was like, okay. Right. Okay, now I get it. I under, now I understand. Cause for a moment before they really started to speak. I thought they were gonna introduce him as American because that's a yes. big thing. You know, around the world, Americans are known as the the fat lazy yes. so when there's these two heavy set people waiting for him in the office, I'm like, oh and here comes the United States contingent. <laughs> yes. They're gonna to talk to them. Right. But it, it it was so awkward to watch these heavy people being sort of made fun of yes. until they got to that moment where they Unzippered, and you go, Okay,
1: yeah, I get kind of, it. You're kind of Like, wow, BBC, you're kind of an asshole. Like,
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> we're going back to the doctor and the whole moving the TARDIS, not moving the TARDIS. There was a moment, uh, and of course, it was a moment because we see it later in the episode with the keys glowing in Rose's hand, but I'm guessing that not everybody gets a key to the TARDIS.
1: Oh no, that's very special.
0: Okay. That, that seemed like a genuine moment. Like I know he, uh, I know you said sometimes he does not keep his word, but that seemed like a pretty big moment. And (laughs) he seems very taken with her in a very short amount of time. He definitely seems very much like he wants to be, around her more than he wants to not be around her
1: for sure for sure he definitely he's i don't know if i want to use the word infatuated but he he definitely feels a connection to her right and Mm -hmm. i think that part of it is because she so quickly adapts to his life and adapts to wanting adventure and wanting to know Mm. more and wanting to see all these things. And I think that that's something that he very much connects with. He, he is drawn to that need in her to see and experience the world because not everybody's like that. Like, like poor Mickey, right? Poor (laughs) Poor Mickey, bless his heart. I love poor little Mickey, but you know, he, he makes the comment that like, I couldn't, I couldn't, do what you guys do. I couldn't be a part of this world, you know? And and I think most most people think that they're a rose, but in reality, most people are really a Mickey, right? Mm -hmm. Most people think that if given the chance, they would run off and and take this adventure and never knowing when they were going to come back and see their loved ones again, because it wouldn't matter because they were going to see all the things. But in reality, most people like their house and they like their (laughs) friends and they they like their routine right so I think the doctor really is just drawn to that and you know so he gives her the key which is a very special thing definitely not everybody gets a key but he sort of gives it to her in this like I am giving you the key well clearly the doctor can get into the TARDIS Mm. without the key and I think that that's another moment of like well I think I think the doctor's a good guy but he kind of does this kind of jerky stuff (laughs) like he kind of you know makes her think that he's not gonna go anywhere by giving her this special key but in reality like he's totally gonna go tardis cheat on her
0: (laughs) but and i've mentioned this in in previous episodes chris christopher Uh eccleson that's his name he the way he plays this character it is impossible not to like him it is uh, I I would challenge anybody to watch this TV show and after watching it go, yeah no I don't like him I think he's a jerk cuz he inevitably the moment he flashes that big bright smile of his it you know it's like kryptonite to me every time he flashes that smile I'm like okay let's go
1: exactly and that is That is part of the allure of the Doctor in general. And I'm so excited for you to to get to some of the other seasons to see some of the other Doctors because I think what you're saying is true of all of the Doctors but in completely different ways. It is impossible not to love the Doctors but all for different reasons. And with Christopher, it's definitely, you know, that big bright smile and that sort of... He's very he's very charming right in 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 a i know i'm charming kind of way right and mm-hmm. but you can forgive that because he's so charming you know but yeah you you can't help but love him but at the same time you can still kind of go well, it's kind of a jerk thing, but I still love you. <laughs>
0: well, and, and he even, uh, he's, he's had a few moments where he's shown, like, like I mentioned, other emotions. Uh, and in this episode, when the soldier ends up shooting the poor little cameo uh, from, you know, the pig people, th- he gets genuinely upset.
1: Very. And, and,
0: like, you can see it, you can feel it.
1: What did you do that for? It was scared.
0: It was scared. That moment really, really spoke to me because it, and maybe I'm just imbuing on, you know, things onto the doctor, but it just showed this level of caring for not just. Rose or humans or he cares for anybody
1: yes I, I, he cares
0: for everybody
1: he cares for everybody and he also doesn't understand human fear there are things that he is afraid of and you, I, you've seen a little bit of it and you'll see more of it right where he shows a genuine fear but he is never afraid of things he does not know right? Mm -hmm. He's only afraid of things that have shown him he needs to be afraid. So in his mind, you know, this spaceship has crash landed and he's got no reason to be afraid. He doesn't know if they're good, bad, or otherwise, right? So this pig person running Mm -hmm. around, you know, he can tell that it is afraid itself. And so why would he be afraid of it? The pig person's afraid enough for the both of them, right? So that's kind of a core tenet of the doctor in that he he always approaches things from a level of curiosity rather than fear. And I think that's another reason why he's kind of drawn to Rose because she kind of has that as well, right? She always wants to know more about something rather than immediately being afraid of it. And, you know, in this particular one, he, he cannot fathom why somebody who has a big scary gun who can clearly protect themselves feels the need to shoot something that clearly cannot protect itself and that is obviously mm-hmm. afraid. And that is running away, which, you know, we could draw some parallels to society, but this isn't that kind of podcast. So <laughs> I will just say that, you know, it's, this is, this is a theme that you will see again come through in doctor who that the doctor does not understand the human nature of fearing things that we don't know. He doesn't get that.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I, I like the way you put it that he does seem very excited anytime something happens that he doesn't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, particularly in episode two, he was very excited when something happened that he wasn't expecting. He goes, Oh, that's not supposed to happen. Yes. And it, it, like, you see the excitement in his face. He, he is genuinely curious, uh, which is something that not all humans. Uh, embrace wow. uh, and, I, and I definitely like that in him, but talking about his uh, meaner side, you brought it up a couple of times and I did have this question written down he keeps he keeps calling Mickey Ricky
1: oh, he's so mean to poor Mickey he's so
0: right <laughs> is that just like is he joshing him or is there more to this that I'm gonna find out later?
1: I think he's jealous. I think oh. he, I think he's straight up jealous. I think that he knows that that was Rose's boyfriend, and while he does not call himself you know the doctor certainly doesn't call himself Rose's boyfriend and certainly would never say that he was in love with her or that he had feelings for her, I think there is he knows that Mickey is competition in in that respect, right and so i you know I think it, it's just it's just plain old jealousy. I think he just needs to find a way to kind of cut him down a little bit to make himself feel a little bit more like I'm the doctor, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So th- th- there's the, that alpha male showing a little bit yes. right there.
1: Yes. And, and notice like it's really only the doctor has these moments. Sometimes he can get snarky with people, Right. Um mm-hmm. and you know he gets snarky with Jackie sometimes, too, but like he's he's really kind of mean to Mickey, and I think it's just it is just plain old jealousy that he, jealousy. yeah, like you know Mickey gets rose's attention and and Rose genuinely cares about Mickey, right, like Rose, I think genuinely loves him just not in the same way that maybe she comes to love the doctor, right. Um, it's-
0: I definitely saw that in this episode because after the first episode, when she's running away, I genuinely thought it's like, OK, that's the end of her relationship. Clearly, mm-hmm. she kisses him. She goes, thanks for what exactly and runs away mm-hmm. into the arms of this other guy. And then in this episode, you see she, you know, she's like, "I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I did miss you. Uh, you know, th- I, I started to see that relationship a little a little c- more clearly than, than I had seen it before.
1: Yeah. Well, and you have to remember too, she's 19. A- ostensibly, they're both 19, right? Or in that general vicinity. And, you know, when you're 19 and you are in love with somebody, I-, I think that most of us would say that, you know, as you get older and love other people, you realize that that love was you know, yes, you loved that person, but it was maybe not that super deep connection that you have later in life, right? So I think Rose feels that, you know, sort of supernatural pull to the doctor of of a soulmate, almost, mm-hmm. you know, whereas Mickey is this boy that she loved when she was a young girl. And, you know, yes, that was a year ago <laughs> at this point. But, <laughs>
0: right. You know, 12 months.
1: 12 months. But that's a know, big miss. A did for
0: her. That's a big miss. And yeah. he's like, how, how long have I been gone? Oh, 12 hours. Oh, okay. 12 months. Oh, and wow. he runs up to yeah. tell her they've already played with that conceit in uh, the quiet undead where he's like, Oh yeah, it's 19 or 1860. Or 1869. Sure, that was close. Like, it's close. It's still in the 1800s, you know? Uh, So I like how loose he plays it with time travel. And here, you know, I was sort of warned that there would be ramifications to things that happen in the show. And here's the first example of it. You know, they're, like, freaked out. Uh, And at first, I'm like okay so you know there's a couple of wanted posters like her mom's overreacting and then when you see their like their interactions you're like wow rose and the doctor are jerks right exactly (laughs) (laughs) they're absolute jerks because they're like we just had an awesome time through you know adventures through time and you've spent 12 months freaking the frick out Poor Mickey's been taken in by the police multiple times. You know, it's. I love. Holy moment, crap!
1: There's a moment that I love in this episode where Rose and Mickey are talking, and so um, in twelve months, have you been seeing anyone else? No. Okay. Uh,
0: mainly because everyone thinks I murdered you.
1: <laughs> i love uh, that line it's just that was crazy.
0: such a because that's such an honest line but at the same time it's like sort of fraught with a little bit of like yeah thanks jerk
1: exactly
0: <laughs> yeah because i had so much time to pick up women being held off you know by the police constantly right <laughs> such a such a wonderful moment between them and i i really did appreciate those moments because like i said i i didn't really see that relationship as being a full relationship mm-hmm. in just that first episode so here you finally sort of see a little bit more of the actual connection that they have mm-hmm. we knew that rose loved her mom i mean she calls her her mom from the year 1 billion or 5 billion or whatever it was in the future. So we knew that she had a connection there, but this, this is the first time that we see it. And even that moment they shared in the TARDIS where, you know, he, he almost gets that kiss from her before the doctor sort of interrupts. It really does flesh out the relationship to where I, I genuinely do believe that she, does care for him, maybe not as deeply as she does for the doctor, but certainly has an interest in in him.
1: Definitely. And
0: uh, since since we're in the TARDIS, there's a moment where uh, there are several moments now that we've seen in the first four episodes of the Doctor sort of uh, tweaking and doing things in the TARDIS, but With in in mallet. this episode, uh, he he pulls out a rubber mallet and starts <laughs> hitting that thing. Now I'm no mechanic. And every time I've tried to fix a car with a rubber mallet, it has not worked out well. <laughs> I can't imagine that the tardis is any better uh, mechanically speaking so is is this because the is this trying to show us that the ship is just as old as he is, or is there something wrong with the tardis? Let
1: me ask you a question. Do you know why the tardis is in the shape of a police box?
0: What I've found out so far in, in previous episodes uh, we've covered is that it was shape shifted mm-hmm. to disguise it and that at some point the chameleon circuits, which are, I guess, the device that would allow it to shapeshift, has failed or malfunctioned.
1: Correct.
0: Um, So that's what I know. That is the extent of what I've learned so far about the TARDIS.
1: Correct. And fun sidebar, just some, you know, BBC history here. The reason why originally they thought that they would, you know, actually have a different shape for the TARDIS every time. And they quickly realized that that would be very expensive and very time consuming. Ain't nobody got that kind of money in TV. So this was not a game of Thrones, right? Like they didn't have anybody throwing that kind of cash around.
0: No, they got to they got to spend it on you know bob's uh pig costume that so he had the exactly, back seat
1: exactly so they real and this was back in the 60s they realized very quickly all right we got to <laughs> have some premise as to why this does not shape shift anymore so that's when that was born and it became the the police box all the time so yes that's exactly what happened so the tardis is broken right there is that part of the tardis is broken well and it it you know goes Together, I think, if if that part is broken, well, what else might break, right? What else might fail at certain times? So, yes, the TARDIS is as old as he is, 900 years, maybe more, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think, too, when you – in this episode, you really get your first look that, like, the TARDIS does not always get it right. Like, the TARDIS is the one that's telling him, oh, it's only been 12 hours. Like, I took you back, right? It's the time machine. Mm-hmm. I took you back to this time. And the TARDIS is wrong. So – the TARDIS doesn't always get it right. So the TARDIS is – is um, it has a little bit of a mind of its own. It will get drawn to certain places, but sometimes it just gets it wrong because – Things don't work. It's flux capacitor is a little janky, right? Like it, it just doesn't nice. work the way that it should. So it doesn't always get you right to where you think you're supposed to go. Sometimes on purpose, sometimes just because shield, old. She old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so to contextualize it. The TARDIS is, in essence, like a petulant version of Kit from Knight Rider.
1: Yes, yes. Where it
0: has these amazing capabilities, but sometimes it's like, eh, it's close enough.
1: That's a really, yes, that's a really... If you you put kit and the delorean together that's kind mm. of the tardis right except for you know she doesn't talk so
0: <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> although she has these telepathic capabilities that correct. she imbues people with
1: yes that is correct yes so yeah it's it's mainly just that she's old and, and that's the joke is that you know he can pull out a rubber mallet and just just try to hit something because god only knows <laughs>
0: right?
1: it's like the old tvs when we were a kid and they wouldn't work and you just go up and you'd smack it on the side like that's what he's doing he's just like i don't know what else to do so i'm just gonna hit it with a rubber mallet and see what happens
0: listen if you ever took a tv to a tv repair place the first thing they did when you put it on the counter was they hit it they yep. hit the side of it yep. i i watched somebody do that and yep. you're like that cannot be like a legitimate way of fixing it and yet it was because those yep. you know these kludgy old uh, devices. So, I guess if you, you're driving or you're handling a 900 year old traveling device, sure, you would hit it with a mallet. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, <laughs> I, at some point, he'll probably unplug it and plug it back in again. Like, that's, that's what you
0: do. <laughs> Have you installed the new operating system?
1: Exactly.
0: Oh, geez. I can't imagine. There's some time <laughs> lord dude that looks like Bill Gates writing the code for the TARDIS. Uh, Well, I forgot to move the decimal point. That's why it said 12 months instead of 12 uh, hours. I'm sorry. I'll fix that in the next software update.
1: Yeah, and his hasn't had a software update in 900 years, because he stole it. So, <laughs> and...
0: and
1: oh. oh, sorry, spoiler alert. I don't really think that that spoils too much. You, but.
0: You're, the, you're not the first person to mention it. Jenny mentioned it last week, and I I didn't catch it when she said it, so I didn't draw attention to it. But, okay, so... Yeah.
1: Yeah, let's grand, just say, grand
0: Theft Tardis, huh?
1: Grand Theft artist. Let's just say that <laughs> even if he, you know, was able to fly back to his home world and you know get an update, he probably couldn't because he might get in a little bit of trouble. So
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> great now, and now you're evoking Jar Jar.
1: <laughs> oh no! I'll never get back. Go back. <laughs> 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 you'll never let me come back now
0: no no you'll you will come back every time and any time you want right. um so we we've been talking about the TARDIS a lot and there was a moment in this episode that we even you even referenced it a little bit earlier on Rose is protective of the doctor because she doesn't want people to find out because of what could possibly happen and as it turns out in this very episode. The British government knows about the TARDIS because the moment the, the mom makes that phone call and they enter those search ter- terms, like red siren sounds going on in, in the, what is it, to 10 Downing Street? Because uh-huh. she said the word TARDIS and yep. somehow the computer knew TARDIS is tied to the doctor. So they know about him.
1: They do. It, it, they know him, that, But notice, they know him as an alien expert, and that's all they know at that point. So, right, you know, we don't know how they know that at this point. But, you know, we would... Well,
0: we know from episode one that there's, like, websites devoted to him, yes. run by kludgy men, you know.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> so we have to assume that... You know, the doctor has inserted himself into history in other ways before, right? Like and that Mm. guy's garage or whatever it is when Rose goes to see him. (laughs) He he's standing there and he's at the Kennedy assassination. And he's, you know, he's in all of these different places. He's with people who don't get on the Titanic. Like he has clearly inserted himself into history. The
0: the Daniels family, by the way. The Daniels
1: family. Yes. (laughs) So we have to assume that the doctor has inserted himself into history, and we have to assume that probably if you know this you know weird dude in his garage has figured it out, that probably the government knows something is up. So we don't know how much they know about him at this point. We don't know if they know that he's an alien. We don't know if they just think that he's a guy who knows a lot about aliens. But obviously, he has had some sort of interaction with the government before.
0: Well, clearly enough to warrant a crash the compound moment, uh, where it's like red sirens everywhere. Yes. And so we're, we're here. Let's talk about it. The, the aliens unzip their foreheads, some of them with visible zippers, some of them just, you know, like drawing a magic line across their forehead. Yep. And then we're exposed to like the, gerber baby from hell
1: yeah (laughs) yeah that's a good way to put it
0: (laughs) i mean it's like a mixture of like a velociraptor a terror dog from ghostbusters and like the worst version of the gerber baby
1: right plus like your (laughs) traditional like ufo alien big eyes big black eyes and right right yeah totally
0: like big old, giant cheeks, they like run on four legs, but then they can stand really tall. Yeah. very interesting design and quite you know, disturbing to look at, yeah. and yet very sort of buck Rogery in its approach, which I love and that about the show,
1: awkwardly, kind of cute in a way,
0: <laughs> yeah. But it's so it's evocative of so many other things that we've seen in the past mm-hmm. from pop culture and other sci fi shows mm-hmm. that they they were scary, but they weren't like that menacing. Mm-hmm. Like, like I I, I would kind of have that action figure next to my desk, you know, oh, okay.
1: I, I don't think that's an accident. Right. I think that you know these feelings of of x-files and twilight zone and and you know other other shows i i don't think that's an accident i think that that is a little bit of a call out to the nerds of the world right like hey we're yeah. your people you know so you know these aliens that are not terrifyingly scary you know this this show is meant to be able to be watched with your family right mm-hmm. so i you know x-files to me was not a kid's show like it, i started watching it in high school and it scared the crap out of me right oh well,
0: it was definitely very intense yes. yes
1: now there are some episodes of doctor who that are scarier than others but in the end they're all really meant to watch with your family so yes while this is like this terrifying you know zipperhead alien well, there's something about it that like has this kind of cute face. So they're kind of not all that <laughs> terrified <laughs>
0: you know? until they start choking the life out of you. And then they wear your skin around.
1: Yeah. That's awkward.
0: My last question is this, this was a very quick and passing reference, but it, it it was arcing back to a reference that was made in the unquiet dead. When I believe the character's name was Gwendolyn. Is sort of telepathically reading Rose's mind, mm-hmm. and she sees the future London, and describes the future London as somebody from the 1800s would see it. And then she makes a mention of uh, something that clearly scares her, and then she stops talking about it right as the doctor comes in. But she mentions the words "bad wolf."
1: wolf. Yes, yeah, she does. And
0: then, very early in this episode. We see a kid wearing a red shirt with a grinning devil on it that said, kick ass. And uh, he sprays the words, bad wolf on the TARDIS, looks around, jumps on his bike, takes off. Yeah. What the heck?
1: How about that, huh? Yeah. So here's what you need to learn about Doctor Who.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Doctor Who plays the long game. So okay. you're going to get little seeds of things that you will not get the payoff for for a while, but it is important. It is not an accident that he spray paints those words there. It is not an accident that she saw that in Rose's future. So just what I will say is keep your eyes and ears open uh, notice it when it happens, and all the different ways that it happens, and eventually there will be a payoff for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, because this is the second episode where that reference came up, and it was pretty obvious. Yeah. It, I mean, it's on the side of the TARDIS now. Yep. It says "Bad Wolf," so yeah. and, I can't. I can't wait to get there.
1: Yeah, not all the references are that overt. So sometimes there it is a very quick passing and it's easy to miss sometimes. Other times it will be that, you know, obvious, but it's one of those, every time you see it go oh, bad wolf. Oh, there it is. Mm. And then, you know, just file it away, file it away.
0: <laughs> well, I am hitting save on that file and <laughs> archiving it in the back of my head. Perfect. So, that pretty much does it for me. Is there anything in this episode that I that I missed that I should have noticed that I kind of glanced over?
1: I, have you noticed, have you talked yet about how each of the doctors has their sort of catchphrase? Have you noticed that yet?
0: Uh, w- we have not. I, I have noticed that he loves to say the word fantastic.
1: fantastic. Yep, you got it. So every doctor has what is like their one little catchphrase and that's his like that is the embodiment of Christopher Eccleston the doctor fantastic so and it's funny because you'll see him use it in a lot of different ways right like it becomes the word that it doesn't always mean fantastic when he says it right Mm. Uh, I will tell you that Harriet Jones is very important so don't throw her away
0: Harriet Jones, the, the MP the
1: MP. Yes. Um, and I love her character by the way. I just love her. Like she's just this like, you know, stay at home mom who probably bakes pies and, you know, decided to run for the government because she wanted to make things a little bit better. And now suddenly she's in the middle of this thing, but she handles it like a boss. Right. So, well,
0: and she, she's such a great ar- actor. I thought like, wow, she's, she's a big, She's a big actress to have in the show, and they just kind of used her ever so slightly.
1: Yep, yep.
0: I'm, I'm glad that I'll get to see her more.
1: You will see a little bit more of her, yes. Also, there you did not mention UNIT, which is the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. It's a little bit of a throwaway in this episode, but you're going to see UNIT again. So... Just know that you've seen them before, and the United Nations Intelligence Task Force will will be some people that you'll meet again in the future. They just sort of are mentioned, and you see them walking down the hall in this, but we don't ever get introduced to them. But this is your first introduction to them.
0: Ah, I, I, I do remember that mention. I, I can't believe that I didn't catch. Uh, but I, the, it, it seems that this show likes to hide things sort yes. of in plain sight. And I really enjoy that, especially in serialized television like this, where something that seems like a throwaway will then become some bigger part of the plot. And if you're paying attention, you're rewarded by it, which is, it it really is the, the show. I had a hint that I was going to like the show. But there's always that opportunity that, well, this is the one thing that's not right. something we enjoy. And I there was a slight apprehension in creating this podcast uh, over something that I had legitimately not seen or explored or tried. And every single episode thus far, four episodes in, I find something that just speaks to me. It speaks to my sensibility. It speaks to my sort of taste and it, every single episode i feel like i'm becoming more and more enamored with this world with these characters and i'm genuinely excited to be able to share that with uh, friends like you jamie
1: oh thanks yeah, it's fun to, to go back and watch it again. This is actually the first time that I have rewatched this episode, this specific episode, because I always avoided it. Because like I said, this is the episode I warn people about. But going back and watching it now and having, you know, seen the entire series and knowing everything that I know now, I appreciate it so much more
0: um, yeah.
1: than than I did the first time around. And while I still might warn people about it, it for me, I don't, feel like this is you know the worst episode i used to think oh that's my least favorite episode and now i see so many little gems in it that i'm like oh okay no i I get it i get what we were doing here you know
0: so it's i i've heard from so many people that have said the show is really good but you have to get through season one or you have to get through and if season one the season that i'm watching is the weaker of the new episodes I frankly I cannot wait. Yeah. Because, like I said, every week I sit down and I watch the show, and I just I I can't I I kick myself. I kicked like younger Daniel for not having gotten into this sooner.
1: It's gonna blow Um, your mind. It's gonna really (laughs) blow your mind, and it's gonna get really hard for you to not binge. It's going to get really, really hard because that's what happened for me. It was really easy for me at first to watch an episode here, an episode there, and then it just got to the point where I was like, I want to watch all of it. The- I want to call into work for six days straight and just watch all of it because I want to know what happens. So it gets, it gets harder to leave it. So I'm super excited for you to, to, to get even further in this because I just know it's, gonna, it's just going to blow your mind.
0: Well, I can't wait to have you back in the show to discuss our future episode. So thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks
1: for having me
0: thank you so much and thank you for listening to the episode if you want to support the show you can find firsttimelord.com and right on our website you'll find our previous episodes if you haven't heard them before you can certainly find them there you can also find a link to my Patreon page or if you search Patreon for Daniel Levain you'll find me there you can support the show and get the show a little early and if you go into some of the higher tiers you can even get extra That I edit out of the show Mostly for time But are quite interesting Or sometimes I include little guffaws That I make in introductions Or talking about the podcast So check us out on Patreon Definitely stop on by the website Firsttimelord.com You can either comment there Let me know if there's anything About the show that you like Is there anything that I missed in this episode? Drop us a comment. And I guess until next week, I'm going to go watch some more Doctor Who. Fantastic.